Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Richard, you know, we've talked so much about polarization on how do we fix it, how it's leading to rigid social and political divisions. This week, a national attempt to push back and get people from different places, backgrounds, and points of view to speak with each other one-on-one. We're releasing this episode early because the sign-up deadline for this event is fast approaching. We have details on our website and also later in the show. America Talks with Kristen Hansen and Zoe Jenkins. What was the catalyzing event for you that lifted you up out of that filter bubble? I think in many ways it was the pandemic and then so many other things cascaded right afterwards. You know, we had the murder of George Floyd. It's just kind of a slew of things that happened in the summer of 2020 where I realized, okay, I have a very specific opinion on this, but a lot of people don't agree with me. And that's okay, but why do I not understand, you know, where other people are coming from? Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How How do do we we fix it? it? How do we fix it? I felt this for a while. Toxic polarization is doing more than just holding us back from solving our big problems. It's also a national security threat. It's it's on on a community level, on a local level. It's bad for our souls. Bad for our souls. I think you really are onto something there. Everybody remembers that great Abraham Lincoln quote that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Well, right now we have to recognize that our house, our American house is divided and those divisions could be approaching a crisis level. America Talks and the National Week of Conversation are starting as we release this podcast, their efforts to respond to this crisis. Both of our guests, Kristen Hansen and Zoe Jenkins, are part of this campaign and are about to tell us more. Kristen spent 25 years in the tech industry and now serves as executive director of Civic Health Project. Zoe Jenkins is a 17-year-old civic activist who founded DICE, which stands for Diversity, Inclusion, Cultural Competency, and Equity. DICE works with members of Gen Z, 24 years old and younger, to focus on some of these problems and solutions. Kristen joins us from Menlo Park, California, and Zoe is dialing in from Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for meeting with us in our remote How Do We Fix It studio. Great to be here. 
Yes, thanks for having us. Kristen, what is America Talks and the National Week of Conversation? America Talks is an important event coming up the weekend of June 12th and 13th, in which thousands of Americans will come together to engage one-on-one, face-to-face, on video, across our divides. And we've set up a great process to recruit Americans into this experience and to make it comfortable and even fun. Immediately after that, starting Monday, the 14th of June, is the National Week of Conversation, in which there are so many conversation opportunities available to Americans of all stripes and all kinds of topics to engage on. And that calendar of events is also listed at americatalks.us. Okay, well, we'll find out more a little bit later about how these work. But are a lot of different groups involved? Absolutely. More than 100 Bridging organizations across the United States have come together to host conversation events and opportunities throughout the National Week of Conversation. Organizations like Braver Angels, the National Institute for Civil Discourse, Living Room Conversations, and so many others are inviting Americans to come together in conversation on a whole host of important topics that are impacting our society today. Zoe, your generation, Generation Z, is the most diverse, ethnically diverse, racially diverse in American history. Do you think that young people are as divided as older Americans? Um, You know, I want to rep my generation and say no, but in many ways, I think we are. Uh, And a lot of us, I think, in particular, live in bubbles because we are, you know, digital natives. So we spend all of our time on social media. And when you're on social media, you're siloed. So you think that everybody agrees with you. And I know that I fell into that trap thinking every young person has the same political views I have until I broke out of my bubble a little bit. But I would say that generally, while young people may be pretty divided, they're also a little bit more accepting of people that kind of come from different parts of the country and have different views on different things, just because I think that's just the nature of young people in many ways is to be like, oh my goodness, you believe something different from me and that's kind of cool. But I think that, you know, America over the last couple of years has grown more divided. And I definitely think that that trend has continued with Generation Z, but maybe not to the same effect as generations that are a little bit older than us. So you've been involved in this effort to engender better conversations and and create dialogue across differences, really, for the last couple of years or more as a a young activist. What have you learned about getting people over that hump of of being able to have a, a conversation with somebody who might feel very differently about some really crucial issues? Um. And inclusion is really, really important. And a lot of that just comes in the language that you use. And so probably my biggest experience with this has been my work with the Kentucky Student Voice Team, where we would travel across the state doing workshops with kids in various high schools and middle schools, you know, about the power of their voice, about transitioning into college, about school climate. And, you know, these can be kind of meaty topics for kids who've never been exposed to them. And our team definitely skews towards the more affluent side. Most of us are from the urban centers of Kentucky. Also, most of our parents are academics. So we, I would say, talk in a very different way than most kids do. And so that's a lesson we've all had to learn is, okay, when you walk into a high school where they've never heard the word school climate before, how do you start that conversation in a way where they don't feel like you've been dropped in telling them this is how you should think about things, but you know, really invite them to dialogue with you because 
you know, while we can teach them a lot from the research we've done, they have so much they can teach us about their experience that's never been heard before. No one's above another person just because of where they go to school or what part of the state they're from. We are part of this big effort to try and reach across divides on how do we fix it. Jim and I often disagree, but we we try to keep it pretty civil. The groups you work with are also very much in in this space of of trying to uh, get people of different points of view to speak together. But in many ways, we failed. The crisis of, of polarization is worse now than it was when we started. Kristen, what do you think we're doing wrong in our community and our well-intentioned efforts? Well, I like to think, uh, Richard, that we're just at the beginning of a long curve here, and we are slowly but surely figuring out how to do it right. But it's going to take a while. Some people say this is a generational effort to depolarize our country. I hope it doesn't take quite that long. I think we can accelerate progress in the right direction. But let's face it, we're digging out of some trends that have been underway for a long time. There's this whole element of how as humans, we're just wired to behave in certain ways. We're we're wired for reassurance. We're wired for belonging. We're wired to want to be right. Okay. So that's been with us for a long time. But I think some of the accelerants in recent years have been on the supply side, the fact that there are ways to exploit these tendencies in us as individuals. And there are exploiters and purveyors out there we know who benefit from division in our society. So we have to look at both sides of this equation. What can we do to equip and empower individuals to dig out of polarizing beliefs and behaviors? But also, what could we do to act more directly on the supply side of this, those who find it advantageous to divide us, and change the incentives, change the practices so that those accelerants are reduced? One thing, too, is that while we are so divided, I think we focus too much in some ways on what divides us when many of us are very similar. And so when we encounter people who are promoting conflict, maybe you're just being difficult in these conversations, we try to center back to, okay, what do we have in common? What what do we agree on? And how can we just have, you know, that dialogue about the things we disagree with while centering the fact that we are all students, we're all experiencing very similar things. And yes, it's different, but we can have an open conversation about that. But also trying to get to the root of why someone is creating conflict. To some extent, Zoe, this is just a consciousness-raising experience, right? It's making us all aware of the patterns, the unhealthy patterns. As we get empowered with more insight about this cycle, we can break it. And I was reflecting a minute ago, you were talking about how uh, throughout your life, you were in your filter bubble until you suddenly came out of it. First, I want to commend you because I think for me, that took about 50 years. And second, uh, I was so curious to know when that happened for you. What was the catalyzing event for you that lifted you up out of that filter bubble? I think in many ways it was the pandemic and then so many other things cascaded right afterwards. You know, we had the murder of George Floyd. It's just kind of a slew of things that happened in the summer of 2020 where I realized, okay, I have a very specific opinion on this, but a lot of people don't agree with me and that's okay. But why do I not understand, you know, where other people are coming from? And a lot of that was just, I think, that you know, we were staying at home more, so I was just watching way more TV and very quickly realized the TV I'm watching, the outlets that I'm reading news from are promoting a very specific narrative and are calling this other the bane of human existence. And I was like, there's no way that that's true because I know people who are in that circle. You talk about things like open-mindedness as 
skills. Most of us would call those values or aspirations, kind of put it in a moral framework, something that people should do. And Zoe, you're working with a cohort of people who are learning a lot of things. So you think these ideas are are teachable? I think they are teachable and we're not teaching them. And I think that the fact that we are in the situation that we're in, I think proves that it's not a moral thing. Because I think most people do the moral thing. Um, And I think that there are just so many ways that our education system is set up to promote closed-mindedness. You know, the fact that like the student population is so incredibly diverse, but our teachers are not. So you have large swath of students of color who are learning from teachers who have never taught to do so. And, you know, you have school boards that are set up in a way that aren't designed to represent, you know, a more diverse student body, not just when it comes to race and ethnicity, but also, you know, a wide spectrum of diversity. And they're not trained to cater to those experiences. And so, yeah, we, we teach closed mindedness because we learn a very specific frame of history. We read very specific kinds of books. And so you have a lot of people graduating high school, at least, who kind of have this very baseline understanding of like how the world works, but it's not necessarily one that's catered to their experiences. And so I think people feel out of place. Kristen, you work with schools. Could you react to that? Well, I just love that. I wanted to say, I just, I love the way that, that Zoe so emphatically said, this isn't a moral issue. This is an issue with skills and training. And we have an opportunity here culturally, before I talk about schools, just culturally, we've embraced notions of virtuosity that aren't serving us very well. Uh, we see this playing out all across American society, the notion that what is what is valued and virtuous is to have a pure line of thinking about something, take a firm stand, stake out a position. And social media just amplifies and enables us to ensure that that position we've staked out can be heard and validated by as many people as possible, regardless of how many others might disagree with it, right? So I think we need to change our notions of what is virtuous, but we don't get there without the skill building part of it. People need to be encouraged to try out intellectual humility and open-mindedness, have opportunities to practice it, and, and be reassured that this too is virtuous. In fact, it may be the more virtuous thing that we need in our society right now. I do think it starts in schools. I think we've got to start young, um, at least middle school, arguably even sooner in some of these basic skills. And you can attach it to civics, you can attach it to social and emotional learning. But yes, skills and practices around listening and open-mindedness and considering different perspectives, trying out different perspectives, too often we frame all of this as learning how to debate. But, but debate is a limiting frame. Uh, debate argues for staking out a strong position and holding firm to it no matter what. Well, that's a valuable skill set. I'm not going to argue that it isn't. But there are other skill sets that we need, too, for situations and issues that are more nuanced uh, or require a consideration and a blending of different perspectives. So, you know, to this end, I want to just give a shout out to a particular type of curriculum that points the way, if our listeners haven't heard of Open Mind Platform. This is a perfect example of how you can take this kind of a skill building curriculum into high school, also college classrooms, and ensure that Students are exposed to and learning these skills of open-mindedness and intellectual humility. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is How Do We Fix It? I'm Jim Meggs. And I'm Richard Davies. We're speaking with Kristen Hansen and Zoe Jenkins about America Talks. Now back to our interview with Kristen Hansen and Zoe Jenkins. We're discussing some principles around America Talks and the upcoming National Week of Conversation. Next question from Jim. We start with the presumption that people are really divided and then say, how do we bridge that divide? Zoe, I notice you tend to start with the idea that there's a lot that we share and a lot of your uh, your thinking and communication, it starts with things like pop culture, superhero movies that, that we have in common. And, and you like to ask people to think of themselves as a kind of superhero. And you ask the question, what is your spider bite? Explain. What I meant by kind of the what is your spider bite is I think people innately have some kind of passion, you know, something that makes them itch something that just you, gets you super excited and that may be what your profession is it may not be um but there's just something that interests you tremendously and that we all have something like that and that that heavily colors the way that we see the world and if you're not able to check your own biases i think you fall into this trap uh, where you think virtuously i'm being objective that when i'm telling you about the world and i'm telling you about my opinion that i am objective and what i'm saying is true and factual when really it is being heavily colored by your lived experience just being able to check that i think makes conversations easier because then you can understand this person has a different perspective than me on this incredibly controversial issue because that issue hit them really hard personally when they were growing up so of course they have you know, this, you know, opinion that leans one way versus the other, and that that's not inherently a bad thing. Um, and that differences are inherently a bad thing. And that we need that diversity to create, you know, the best common good solution um, for any given issue. Kristen, a few minutes ago, you mentioned intellectual humility and civil discourse in the open mind platform. Tell us more. Open Mind Platform is a curriculum that makes this uh, consumable for schools as well as other organizations, civic organizations, businesses. And it's based on an important school of thought called Moral Foundations Theory. John Haidt 
is the, the progenitor of this school of thought. And it's a really important starting point for addressing uh, what Zoe is talking about in this podcast around recognizing that our own lived experience is different from someone else's, and therefore we need to acknowledge and check our biases. And using that as a starting point, I think can soften some of the hard edges around polarization because you start to recognize that even people who seem to hold radically different points of view than your own are operating from a moral frame that in and of itself might be a, a way of connecting in, a way of relating or bridging across those differences. We need to kind of get down under the hood and look at at the fact that we are all trying, or most of us are trying to be good and moral actors in the world, even if we're living that out in different ways. The biases that we bring to our daily interactions are deep, but they're also things that we can work on. I want to hear about success stories. I want to hear about a favorite thing that went right. Uh, Zoe, I don't, Zoe, I'll put you on the spot first. Is there? Can you remember a moment over the last couple of years in working with all the students you've worked with when you've really felt like, yes, we really accomplished something today? Yes. The first thing that comes to mind uh, is that our you know, little band of kids uh, took a trip to Beckley, West Virginia um, to talk to juniors who were part of a college preparation program um, about their plans to get to college having the more meaningful conversation about, you know, what what's actually keeping them from going and what are ways that we can structurally shift, you know, the way our schools work to make that, you know, a fee, like make, make college feasible for those kids. Or if they don't want to go to college, whatever post-secondary path is right for them, making sure that that's one that's accessible, but also one that's not, um, you know, ostracized. Because I think we do a terrible job of doing that. Um, and so at the end of the workshop, we hung up these huge sheets of poster paper. Um, one of them said hopes and one said fears. And these kids on post-it notes wrote what their hopes are, you know, for their whatever was gonna, you know, come their way after high school and their fears of whatever was gonna come after high school. Um, and it was heartbreaking. You know, many of the fears that I don't, I don't wanna drop out, like my parents and everybody else before them. I don't wanna go into debt that keeps me from living the life I wanna live. Um, I don't, I don't want to leave and then not be accepted back in my community. That's something that we, um, I think a lot of people who do this work are familiar with, but something that's not quite seeped into, I think, wider understanding that a lot of kids don't go to college because there's a stigma. If they leave their hometown, they will not be allowed back in, um, because they didn't go and work at the family business. They didn't go and stay with their community. They're seen as a traitor. And so that's a big barrier for kids. Um, but then, you know, the beautiful thing, I think, is seeing all of the hopes of just how these kids were excited to go to college and possibly travel the world. They were excited to, you know, possibly discover a cure for cancer. They were excited to meet, you know, meet new friends and excited to, um, you know, a lot of them, were, I think, were more practical hopes of like, I want to one day work a job where, you know, my grandma doesn't have to keep working anymore, or I can provide for my parents, or I can help get them the treatment that they need. Um, and that's how you know you've done something, right? That you've, that these kids left kind of smiling, they felt like I have a better grasp of what of what I want to do and how I'm going to get there. And we left knowing there's some serious systemic failures in the way that we prepare kids for college. And we have some really concrete steps that we need to take to make that more accessible to students especially students from more rural areas. I would like to also comment on success stories and just start by saying that 
you can find success stories like Zoe's described across so many organizations. And again, I find myself gravitating towards examples of organizations working with younger people, whether it's better arguments with their middle school curriculum or close-up foundation and American exchange project working with high schoolers, Bridge USA at the college level, all of these organizations, uh, Civic Spirit is another one, all of these organizations designed to foster these wondrous interactions between students who are coming from different cultural contexts, different belief systems, and finding friendship in the midst of all of that. And my specific example is around a program that rolled out before COVID and unfortunately was somewhat derailed by COVID to connect classrooms from different parts of the country over video to match students and have conversations. So you're lifting them out of their geographic silos and, and other you know, economic, political, racial, whatever they may be to have conversations and meet each other. First of all, kids just love this, just love making friends with someone who's different from them. But to have the opportunity to wander around a classroom and hear these conversations taking place, you know, students from the Northeast and from the West Coast sharing their families' immigration stories, everything from families coming over on the Mayflower to, uh, to a student whose parents were refugees from Yemen and talking across those kinds of differences. Or another example I really loved when students from New York and students from Salt Lake City, Utah got together on video and the students from Utah took their camera outside so that the New Yorkers could see the mountains. I mean, they're just beautiful things like this happening all over the place. And it's especially gratifying to see these things happening with younger people and knowing that they'll carry these values way out into the future. Speaking of beautiful things, final question. America talks. It's an effort to speak across differences, right? That's how that's how it works. That's right, Richard. Uh, through the registration process and a set of questions that people answer, we're able to identify uh, registrants' political leanings or affiliations. So we are trying to suss out difference in the registration process, and we actually use that as the basis for matching participants across political divides. When we bring people into conversation, the goal is to create a positive, constructive, and even fun interaction between two people who may come from different belief systems or contexts, but can find uh, ways to connect. The goal is to spark a connection and raise the aggregate level of warmth and empathy between two individuals who may have previously thought that they had no basis for forming a connection or a friendship. And what we hope is that we will spark that connection in that short exchange and and bit by bit convince more and more Americans that what connects us is more than what divides us. Thank you, Kristen Hansen <laughs> and Zoe Jenkins for joining us on How Do We Fix It? Thank you so much for having us. This is a great conversation. Next, our recommendation, then a very brief conversation. Uh, Jim, you have the recommendation this week. Yes, Richard, you know I'm not always the quickest to get on top of the latest things in, in media, even though I used to be an <laughs> editor of, of more than one uh, entertainment magazine. But I've been watching the Netflix documentary, Our Planet narrated by David Attenborough. This is from the same team that created the groundbreaking documentary Planet Earth and Blue Planet. There has never been nature photography, anything like this. It's absolutely extraordinary footage from the air, from underwater, uh, about the, the amazing planet we live on. And this series also really focuses on some of the challenge that climate change and other environmental issues impose on the world. So it's, it's a mix of, of, of 
beauty and optimism, but also a warning about things that need to be attended to and, and preserved. And now, Jim, instead of our conversation, um, let's quickly promote. Let's do the best sales job we can on Wait, America Talks. we're not going to have any conversation? But you're, Richard, you're like cutting <laughs> me off of the knees here. I don't have a lot. I'm to, shutting you down. I don't have a lot to add to what they said. But, you know, one thing I love about doing How Do We Fix It is getting a chance to interact with people like Zoe Jenkins and, and Kristen Hansen. And certainly the world needs more people like that. And just if you want to find out more about what they're doing, uh, go to the website americatalks.us. America Talks is on uh, June 12th and 13th, so we're not giving you a lot of advance notice on this. And then there's the National Week of Conversation that follows on after that. Again, the website is americatalks.us. This is How Do We Fix It? And our producer who makes us sound better than we deserve is Miranda Schaefer. And this show is a production of Davies Content. We make podcasts for companies and nonprofits. Also do some media training as well. Check us out at DaviesContent.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is part of the Democracy Group. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.